Today we're continuing our series that we've been working on for the last four weeks. It's called Well with God. And we've covered some different areas of your life. And with each of those areas, we've targeted one specific area that you could actually do, a decision that you could make that would make that area of your life better. And the reality is, all of these things will affect all the areas of your life, which is kind of cool because it makes it even more impactful to communicate these things. These are great decisions that you can make in your life for every area of your life. The first week we talked about your spiritual life, and that had to do with taking God at His word. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And deciding that that settles it is so important for you to Make those decisions that as you're reading God's word, that you just quit fighting with it. I know people that have a hard time just reading about Jonah and the whale. They're like, well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Well, why not? Were you there? Are you sure it didn't happen? I mean, come on. Well, you know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, it didn't happen that way. Really? Were you there? (laughs) I mean, come on. It's God telling us what he did, and he's giving us the information that we need to know. And he didn't go into any more information than we need to know on that. And I could just go on and on about this. But you've got to decide at some point in your life that you just say, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. What you said, I believe it. That settles it. Second week, we talked about mental wellness, mental wellness. Uh, being intentional is the decision that we made that week, that we decide what we're going to do with our lives. And that helps us in our mental health because your life is set then on purpose. It has meaning because you've intentionally directed it. And, and finding that direction from heaven is so important as well. And you can do that. The third week, we talked about social wellness. And this one had to do with making a decision that you're going to build your life support. You're going to build a life support system around you. You're going to invest your life into others. You're going to invest your life into into God's kingdom. And you're going to do the things that are necessary for you to have a group of people around you so that when life happens, you've got life support. How many of you know life is going to happen at some point? As, As frustrating as that is, life is going to happen. And you're going to need people in your life. So that was a great, great, great decision that you could make. Number four, we talked about physical wellness. And last week that was making a decision to choose contentment for your life. What I have is enough. Who I have is enough. Enough is enough. And it's amazing how that will also help you mentally. Because just being at peace, enough is enough. So today we're going to talk about Financial wellness. Everybody say, yeah. Yeah. Been waiting for this one, right? (laughs) All right, so we're going to talk about financial wellness. This is one of those areas in your life that is, in many ways, it is the proof, it is the evidence of what you believe and where your passions in life lie. If your life financially is spending willy-nilly and just going after whatever you want or whatever feels good at the moment or just throwing your money out there, I would also wager 
that if you're not living a life of intention with regard to your finances, I would wager that you're probably lacking a lot of passion in your life. Because Jesus even talked about this. You see, one of the most tangible ways you can know where your heart is, where your passion in life is, is to look and see where you put your valuable resources in life. Jesus said it this way. He said, he talked about how your treasure and your heart go together. They're hand in hand. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you make your investments in life, that's what's gonna, your heart will follow that. So if you're just spending willy-nilly and you don't have a passion for life, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to pay attention to where you're going. You're not going to pay attention to what you're investing in. So the context of this passage is Jesus is saying that if you aren't storing up treasures in heaven, your heart is never going to be set in heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven at some point? Fifteen of us? I believe you all want to go there. So the question is, are you setting your heart that direction? Now, um, this, this gets a little bit meddling. I want, you to, I want you to think this through, okay? If you were to plug your bank account into some financial software, it would quickly plug all of those numbers into a pie chart. How many of you have ever seen that before, yeah? You've seen that pie chart? All right, so the question is, if you did that, would you be able to look at that and go, okay, yeah, there's my passion right there. Dog food, right there. <laughs> I spend my life on dog food. What's your passion? It's going to be found in that. You're going to be able to see where your life's passion is. And and you're like, well, I'm not really passionate about that. Well, then it's time for you to change what you're doing with it. It's time for you to change. And and for this part this morning, this part of your life that we're talking about this morning, we're going to to look at this. And and it's really interesting because instead of just giving you one thing to do with it, I'm going to say that everything that we've talked about and hopefully you've begun implementing your life into over the last four weeks, you're going to have to take all of those four things and begin to implement them into this one area of your life, really, in order for it to change. Some of you might be in a situation where you're financially frustrated and you don't know what you're doing, you, you need some help, or you need to find direction, and this is where you can begin today. Number one, you got to take God at His word. you got to hear what God has to say about it. Secondly, you need to be intentional with it. Third, you've got to build, build your life support system around you. And fourth, you got to find contentment with regard to your finances. So let's talk about it for a few minutes. In the Bible, there's a story of Job. Y'all remember Job. Job was actually the earliest recorded character in Scripture, and God was challenged by this, the evil one, Satan. Satan came to him and he said, hey, this guy Job, he doesn't love you. And God's like, Job loves me. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. Now, it's a crazy conversation. Not going to get into that, but that's the conversation that Satan and God had. And Satan was like, no, 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 no. This guy doesn't love you. The only reason you think he loves you is because you've given him everything he, he wants. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a beautiful car. He's got all kinds of stuff. And, and you've, you've got this hedge of protection around him. And Job doesn't love you. He just likes what you do for him. And, and he challenged God. He said, you let me mess with him. And you'll see that this guy doesn't love you. And God's like, okay, sure. You go mess with him. 
He went and he wiped out his livestock, his family, left his wife, all kinds of problems and struggles. I mean, his houses burned down, everything burned. Everything was gone. Kids were gone. Then his health even. And he's sitting there. He's got boils all over him. And he's got these friends that are trying to comfort him. It was absolutely a horrible story. Why? It was a time of extreme testing, wasn't it? And it was for the purpose of Job having the opportunity to say, God, I really do love you. And that's what your life is about. Your life is about you having the opportunity to say, God, I love you. I love you. I truly love you. No matter what you take from me, no matter what I lose, no matter what you do to me, no matter what you let someone else do to me, I love you. That's what your life is about. And if you miss that, you've missed a lot. You've missed the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is to be an expression of love towards God. And if you miss that, you're going to miss everything. And there will be times of testing. There will be times in your life where God does a love checkup on you. And He allows you to go through a difficult time. And there will be times in your life where you are, God is looking to see if you're going to be faithful in the small things so that then He can give you the big things to be faithful in. But there's also going to be times in your life where you are, you are going to see God tested to be faithful in the small things so that you can trust Him to be faithful in the big things. And so your life is about that expression of love and an opportunity to believe in Him even when you can't see Him and when you can't see Him working and doing what you want Him to do. And there will be times that God will show Himself to be stronger than you ever thought you would ever see Him be. And it's amazing when you look at the end of Job's life story. At the latter part of his life, God not only restored to him what he lost, but He gave him twice what he lost. And I don't know about you, but I'm trusting that God is going to, I'm believing for that heavenly experience. Because why? I've stored up treasure there. I have loved ones there. And I have treasure there. And I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait to be there. So first, let's talk about this. How to be financially well with God. You've got to take God at His word. Find out what he says about your finances. Find out what God likes. What does God want from you? And what does God want for you? you got to find that out. If God has said things about this, which he has, there's a ton of communication about it in Scripture. You need to search it out. You need to find it. Don't wait for some preacher to tell you what you should believe about this. Go and find it out yourself. But be careful who you listen to also. 
you got to be careful with who you allow to influence you. So I'm going to give you a couple of things today that will get you started. But you need to ask questions like, now that I'm a Christian, does God demand that I'm poor? That I should sell everything and give everything I have to the poor? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And if you listen to one preacher, he's going to tell you that. Does God require now that I'm, I'm, I'm saved, that I'm a Christian? Does that mean that, that he's going to make me rich? Well, if you listen to another preacher who puts his hand on the screen and says, put your hand on the screen and touch my my hand too and and then send me a check for a thousand dollars and all of that you'll you'll hear from him that God wants you to be rich and it's so stinking confusing it's frustrating you've got to find out for yourself what does God's word say I talk to Christians all the time who've come up with their own philosophy and theories not just on this but all kinds of stuff that aren't biblical and they believe these things, and it's from one extreme to another. And I'm, So I'm going to give you just a couple of principles to get you started today to help you. You know, when you know what God says about something and you've decided, I believe it, and that settles it, it helps you to find direction in your life. So there are a couple of irrefutable things in Scripture that I just want to get you started with today. One of those is this. God has always liked a good sacrifice. He's always liked that. How many of you want to know what God likes? Why? Because we want to do what God likes. Amen? And when people have looked at their future and they've decided that it is better for them to do without today in order to build a better tomorrow, that's called sacrifice. And God likes that. God likes when you withhold today so that you can have a better tomorrow. God likes when you decide that, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice today so that tomorrow can be better. He likes that. That's smart, that's good, and that's faith also. But even more than that, God likes it when someone will go without today so that they can have a better tomorrow with God. When they trust that tomorrow will be better because God is there and because of their faith and because of their sacrifice, that's, God loves that. Why? Because it's belief. It shows that you believe in Him. And this is what the whole story about Cain and Abel was. I want to read this story to you. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? It was the first murder. Okay? So this is what it was all about. Adam and Eve had a son. Then Eve said, I'm going to name him Cain because I got him with the help of the Lord. Now think about that. Cain was born because of the help of the Lord. How the Lord helped, we don't know. He's the first recorded human to be born. Maybe God helped her with the umbilical cord. Maybe God helped her through the birthing process. We don't know what the situation was. What we do know is she looked at it and went, Whew, I would have been in trouble if the Lord had not been there to help me with this. So Cain only existed because of God's help. And later she had another son and named him Abel. Abel became a sheep farmer. But Cain farmed the land. One day, Cain gave part of his harvest to the Lord, and Abel also gave an offering to the Lord. He killed the firstborn lamb from one of his sheep and gave the Lord the best parts of it. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but not with Cain and his offering. That's interesting. The Lord was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with Cain's. This made Cain so angry that he could not hide his feelings. And the Lord said to Cain, what's wrong with you? Why did you get so angry? Why do you have such an angry look on your face? If you had done the right thing, you'd still be smiling. What is he saying? He's saying, Cain, this is in your power to be 
feeling good about this situation. You'd be happy if you'd just done what was right. What's wrong with you? But you did the wrong thing, and now sin is waiting to attack you like a lion. Sin wants to destroy you, but don't let it. God begs with him, don't let it. In other words, there's still time. You can reverse this. Cain looked at his brother. All right, now this is important. Cain looked at his brother instead of looking at himself, and he said, hmm, let's go for a walk. They went out into a field, and Cain killed him. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where's Abel? Hmm, how should I know? Am I supposed to look after my brother? Why have you done this terrible thing? You killed your own brother, and his blood flowed into the ground. Now his blood is calling out for me to punish you. And so I'll put you under a curse because you killed Abel and made his blood run into the ground and you will never be able to farm the land again. If you try to farm the land, it won't produce anything for you. From now on, you'll be, a, be without a home and you'll spend the rest of your life wandering from place to place. This punishment is too hard, Cain said. You're making me leave my home and live, live far from you. I will have to wander. It's interesting, now he's suddenly concerned about his relationship with God. I have to live far from you? I will have to wander about without a home and just anyone could kill me. No, the Lord answered, anyone who kills you will be punished seven times worse than I'm punishing you. So the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn everyone not to kill him. But Cain had to go far from the Lord and live in the land of wandering. So how interesting is that? Why was there a problem with Cain's offering? You see, Cain's offering, he gave, well, at least I gave something. At least I did something, God. I sacrificed something. Was Cain really willing to suffer for a better relationship with God? No. Cain wasn't expressing his love towards God. He wasn't expressing gratitude for the harvest that God had given him. He wasn't grateful. He wasn't worshipful. He turned to the one getting it right with God and blamed him. How, much, how often do we do this? When we mess up, instead of owning up, owning what we did wrong, we look around and go, man, if Don hadn't been so good, I wouldn't have looked so bad. Don's the problem. And that's exactly what he did. Instead, he killed his brother. You know, there are two ways to have the best lawn in the neighborhood, right? One is to really do the work to have a great lawn. The other way is to burn everyone else's lawn. That's how you get the best lawn in the neighborhood, really fast. And that's what he did. He went and he killed his brother. He said, why do you have to be an overachiever? You made me look bad. It's your fault, Abel. And God's like, man, all you had to do was love me. All you had to do was honor me. All you had to do was respect me. And ultimately, Cain was willing to murder his own brother over the situation. Another irrefutable thing. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves that. Do you believe that? Yeah. Remember this saying, Paul wrote this, a few seeds make a small harvest, but a lot of seeds make a big harvest. Well, that's just common sense, isn't it? Just common sense. And he says, each of you must make up your own mind without, about how much you give. 
But don't feel sorry that you must give. And don't feel like you're forced to give. God loves people who love to give. Isn't that awesome? And what is he saying? He's saying, make up your mind. Don't wait until you get to church and someone starts twisting your arm trying to give. Aren't you grateful to be in a church that we don't do that? Isn't it awesome? You hardly hear me even talk about it. Why? Because I don't have to. This is just part of a series. We've got to go through this. You guys are so faithful and so good at giving. I don't even have to mention it on Sundays. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Come on, folks. I love it. It's beautiful. But make up your mind before you come. Don't just come and wait for us to twist your arm or tug you. And Yeah, that's not healthy. And he says, but don't feel sorry that you must give. Even though God said it's good and healthy and it's right, don't feel sorry for that. Don't feel upset about it. Don't begrudge that. He says, but don't also feel forced to give. God loves people who just love to give. We have a couple in the church, and they're not here today, so I can talk about them. They absolutely love to give. Um, so happy to give to the Lord. And it's interesting because each week I notice on their offering envelope, they have written a scripture. And it's not just a little scripture. It is like the entire scripture. And, I mean, every week this person sits there, her and her husband sit there, and she writes this out. I can tell it's a woman's handwriting. It'd be funny if I found out it was his. But right, this is the scripture they wrote last week. Other nations worship idols, but the Lord created the heavens. Give honor and praise to the Lord, whose power and beauty fill his holy temple. Tell everyone of every nation, praise the glorious power of the Lord. He is wonderful. Praise him and bring an offering into his temple. Everyone on earth now tremble and worship the Lord, majestic and holy. Isn't that beautiful? And she sat there and wrote that entire scripture last week. And she does it every week. It's just beautiful. Why? Because they love God. They love the mission. They love what God is doing on earth. And, and what are they doing? They know they're storing up treasure in heaven. They know it. They know that they're a part of God's kingdom. It's tangible evidence for them to know that they love God and are part of God's kingdom. And, and it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of what God is doing. Got this video. I hope it works out because I messed it up in the first service, but it's a great video and we'll see. Um, this just kind of gives the heart behind it and I hope that you'll grab onto it.
Isn't that great? So take God at His word. This is one of those tangible parts of your life with Him. Something you can touch. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody that you wanted to give something to that you loved, but you didn't know what to give them? You didn't know what they wanted. You didn't know what would make a difference for them. You know, at least God communicates. This is what you can do for me. I like that. It's a tangible thing that you can do. Take God at his word. The second thing is be be intentional. Be intentional. Decide where your money is going. I have a good friend that that, uh, he, he went through divorce not too long ago. And the struggle that he had with his wife, and in some ways he lost his kids too, you know, just a horrible situation, is because he wasn't being intentional with where his money was going. And his wife came to a place where she was just fed up. She was frustrated. Now, it's wrong for her to have left her husband over finances because of what the scripture says. But at the same time, understand, this is the whole point of the whole situation. They weren't doing life God's way. They attended church, but they had never given themselves over to living life God's way. So both of them ended up being in the wrong here. And since they got separated and now divorced, he began doing a lot of things to change his life. He got a financial coach, and this coach started looking at his finances and telling him what to do, where to be intentional, where to put his money. And, you know, he had people clamoring for him, you know, no, you need to give me this much. You need to give me this much. And the financial coach just kept saying, come on, man, toughen up. You can only give this much to this one this week and this much to this one this week. And And he began to obey that financial coach. And it's absolutely amazing how his life in just a year's time has started coming back together. It's pretty awesome. And everybody in his life is starting to become more happy because he's taken care of the right people the right way. He's being intentional with what he's doing with his finances. The third thing, <clears throat> you've got to build your life support. Build your life support. You can use your finances to do that. Um, when I was a kid, my mom had to go to work. My dad had lost his job and he had to recreate himself for a couple of years. And, and um, although he had done that and he became the top salesman where he was, it wasn't enough, you know. And so mom went to work, and so she went to work at a a candy factory, actually. And she was a light in a very dark place, let me tell you that. And so while she was there, though, she would bring these big giant bags full of taffy home. And don't you know that was bad on my teeth? But I could take those taffy, see it was like mispackaged taffy, and so they were going to throw it away or give it to the employees, and so they gave it to the employees, and excuse me, I brought, I took some of that taffy, bags of it to school, and I would just pass it out to people, and I became one of the most popular kids in school. Isn't that awesome? For the first time in my life, people liked me. It was great. So... And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's so important that you use what God has given you to bless the people around you, and you will gain friends from that. And and people will know that you're a blessing to have in their life. And here's the truth. You've got to use your money to build a life support system around you. That's just reality. Have your friends. Have good family. 
have a good church family. Here's the reality also. One day you may need us to support your life. One day you may need life support. And all the while you thought you were giving to everybody else and taking care of everybody else, what you didn't know was you were actually taking care of yourself for that one day down the road when you needed help. And that's what we want to be strong enough and healthy enough as a church family to be there for each other like that. Amen? And, you know, it's beyond that, though. It's beyond just taking care of yourself. It's also providing life support maybe for those in the next generation. What about your kids? What about your grandkids? What about the kids that do attend church here? Are they going to have a great church in years to come? I don't know about you, but I want, I want this place to be around until Christ comes back. I want this message to continue on, not just this message today. I'm talking about the message of relationship with Jesus Christ. I want this to continue on for generations. I want to see that happen, and I believe in it. And, and you know, as, as people who are good people of God, it is our responsibility to pass good things on down to our children and our children's children. Proverbs says this, a good life gets passed on to the children, the grandchildren. Isn't that great? Your life can get passed on. This is beyond you. And when you invest in God's kingdom, what are you doing? You're passing on good things to your children and grandchildren. It's a beautiful thing. And let me say this. As your pastor, I think it's important for you to know. I don't go around touting this or anything. I just think it's important for you to know. Just so that there's clear communication. I tithe. Off of everything that I make, I tithe. I write a check to the church each month to make sure that I've taken care of my responsibilities and knowing that God is going to be able to bless me. And God has been able to take care of me throughout the years and my family. So it's just important for you to know that. I want this house to be here. And I know that you do too. I want God's mission to be fulfilled on this planet. And I know that you do too. And this is one of those tangible ways that you can just consistently, little by little, do your part. The other, uh, the fourth thing is be content. Be content. Enough is enough. You got enough. It's enough. And contentment is a choice that you're going to have to make with regard to your finances. Proverbs 15, 27 talks about how you can destroy your community instead of building support. Look what it says. A greedy and grasping person destroys community. Maybe your family was destroyed by that. Maybe a greedy father, greedy grandfather. They went after everything but good relationship. And through the years, I've seen different employees come in. They're hired and they, some, some come in, they're grasping for money, and some come in and they're just like, okay, I'm just going to do my part in this business, and I'm going to trust that God is going to day after day provide for my needs. And guess which ones always end up winning? The money grabbers? No. Why? Because they destroy the relationships that they have there. People end up not trusting them. I wrote a few lines. I don't know where this came from, but I like it, so... I'm going to give you a little poem here. It's really little, so it's only four lines, all right? So I'm not this huge writer. Wanting never ends. Deserving never wins. Greed never gives. Grasping 
never lives. Stop grasping. Stop fighting for more. Enough is enough. Enjoy it. Man, it's so easy for us to lose our joy and happiness in this life just trying to get more and more and more. We don't need it. This church is enough. Everything in your life, what you've got right now, it's enough. Just be happy. Enjoy it. When you say, God, I thank you for my life. I thank you for what health I do have. I thank you for what money I do have. I thank you for what food I have. I thank you for the church that I have. It's enough. I don't need some big mega church that I got to worry about getting up and twisting your arm for money every Sunday just to pay the light bill. It's enough. when you do that, you'll be well with God. Jesus told this parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, huge harvest. He thought, what will I do with this massive harvest? I've got so much here that I can retire. I have no place to store my crops, though. So he tore down his barns and built bigger ones. And, there, and this is what he said he would do. And there would be surplus for his uh, the store uh, or store for his surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So he's going to retire on this thing. And God looked at him and said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you've prepared for yourself. Or then who will get it? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Is Jesus saying not to store up for a rainy day here? It sounds like it, but that's not what he's saying. How do we know that? Because we've got to take all of Scripture in mind here. And the rest of Scripture talks about how important it is for you to store up for yourself a little bit to make sure that you're provided for. There's plenty of Scripture to help us with that. But what is Jesus saying here? The second part of this is the key. He says, whoever stores up things for themselves, so yeah, you store up all that, but is not rich towards God. In other words, doesn't love God, doesn't express love towards God. You're missing the huge part of it here. So Jesus is saying how important it is for us to do both of these things. James David, would you come? What is Jesus saying? He's saying enough is enough. You come to a place where you're content in your heart, and he's teaching us that the meaning of life isn't found in eating, drinking, and being merry. He's saying this guy was going to lay aside all of his purpose and meaning for his life to eat, drink, and be merry. He's like, I'm done. One of the most respected men in this church family is my father. Instead of living the rest of his life, he retired at like 52 years old. Everybody say, oh, I'd love that, right? That's the UAW. Anyway, and they want more, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I sidetracked there. Uh, I'm grateful for that. But my dad, instead of living the rest of his life just fishing, eating, and drinking, and being merry, what did he do? He came here. And invested the rest of his life in the kingdom of God. Jonathan, 
Jonathan, unmute there. There you go. In the kingdom of God. He invested his life in the kingdom of God. That's so respectable. And he could say, well, I've already paid tithe on all of my stuff. My father has been one of the biggest tithers in this church since day one. I don't say that so that you can go, he's not here, so I can say it. I say that because he believes in it. He believes in God's kingdom, not just this church. He believes in God's kingdom. And I remember him talking about, he said, man, the first time I gave $5 to a church to help build a sign, it's pretty fun. He said, every time I drove past that church sign, I was like, I did that. <laughs> So I want to read some scriptures here, and some of this may land, some of it may not be exactly what you need to hear, but maybe it's for someone else. I just want to read a list of scriptures here. Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income, never. Deuteronomy 8. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gave you your ability. Remember Him. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Jesus said this, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Proverbs 13 Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Again, a few verses later, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. Proverbs 30, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. 1 Timothy 5, but if anyone does not provide for his own son, or his own, I'm sorry, his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What's he saying? He's saying you can attend church all the days of your life, but if you're not financially providing for your own family, you're missing the mark and you're in trouble spiritually. It's interesting, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 9, now this, is, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not, begrudging, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. This is what I pray over you every Sunday before you walk out of this church. God, make them healthy. God, make them strong. God, make them able. Make them financially stable. Make their health well. All of it. God, make these the healthiest people in our community so that we can do what you've called us to do. And that's exactly what he says here. So that 
always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed in other words that you can do what God made you to do it's beautiful Proverbs chapter 3 honor the Lord from your wealth and with the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine 1 Timothy chapter 6, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. And that's what we're doing today. That's all I'm doing today. This is what Paul told this young pastor to tell the rich people in his church. Interesting, huh? Luke chapter 12. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you little of faith? In Malachi chapter 3. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? Begin by being honest. Isn't it great when God provides a path for you to come back to him? Isn't that beautiful? Here's where you can start. (laughs) Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. Well, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so that there will be be ample provisions in my temple. That gets back to that video, right? Ample provisions in God's house. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out your pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. God says, test me. Try me in this. For my part, I will defend you against martyrs, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. The message of God of the angel armies. If he is the God of the angel armies and he promises these things, don't you know you can take him at his word? Trust Him. Believe Him. Would you bow your heads? This is one of those tangible things. What is God saying to you today? Lay aside all the offering and tithe and all of that stuff. The real question is what he was looking for in Cain's life. Do you love me? No matter what you've lost, no matter what you're going through, do you love me? Do you trust me? And God wants to show himself faithful in the small things. He's so big that he can do the little. That's how big God is. And if God can do the little, then he can do the big. But he also wants to see that you're faithful in the small things. So you can do the big. Do you trust him? Do you love him? Talk to him right now.
God, help us. Help us to truly be your people. People who love you. And people that this world looks and sees are healthy and strong and able. And God, all of us can look back at a time probably where we weren't faithful in this. We weren't faithful in trusting you. We weren't faithful in loving you. And those were the times where we felt most alone and we wondered, where were you? And reality is, you said, if we would just do our part, you'll be there. You're able to do what you want to do in our lives. Fill us with faith today and hope and encouragement. God, I pray there's someone here today that's really struggling financially. I pray that, God, you would help them to get on the right track, to begin doing what it takes, to start making the right choices intentionally for their family, for their home, to be set in order, to be able to provide. I pray for jobs, for those who need it. I pray, God, for promotion. I pray, God, that you would bless your people with with what they need. Not that we would be discontent, but that, God, we would be blessed and able to do what you've called us to. And to forget about our own needs, to be so blessed that we don't have to worry about our own bills anymore. Just to know that that's provided for and we can help. We can help the people around us. Make us the strong and healthy in the community, I pray. In Jesus' name. Father, for those who are here today that may not have a relationship with you, I pray that, God, you would begin to just draw them. If you haven't already, just let them know that you love them, you care about them, you do care about every area of their life, and that they'll just begin to do things your way. It's not because you're trying to control. It's because it's what you like and don't like, because it's good for us and things that are bad for us. I pray, Father, that as they turn their hearts over to you right now and say, God, I want to get to know who you are. Thank you for entering their life. Just start that relationship with them right now. God, I accept you for who you are, what you like and don't like, and I want to spend the rest of my life learning that. I give you my heart and life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. John, would you serve us? taking communion in just a moment. Once again, if you've accepted Christ into your life, you're welcome to join us in communion. This is just going to take a few minutes, and I hope that you'll uh, stick around with us for just a few more minutes.